Well, good morning, church. It is good to be with you today. I apologize. I may be sitting some and standing some, just getting over a knee injury, uh, but I know you're uh, going to be okay with that. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians, the third chapter. I like scripture passages like this. We're going to take a look at the first 17 verses. It's going to do it a little bit differently. I normally read the verse or the short passage that I'm going to preach on uh, right up front and then lay out the different points. But uh, this is a sermon I feel like has a main point, and that main point is at the very end. And, and that the reason that the Apostle Paul wrote this in the way that he did we need to understand the first 16 verses before we get to the main point so that we can understand the richness of what he is saying when we get there. And I can only illustrate this from something that happened in my life uh, a few years ago, actually a long, long time ago when I was a much younger man than I am now. Uh, I completed a school to become a tail gunner on B-52s and was uh, stationed here at Dice. Uh, but because I was part of a combat crew, they wanted to send us to water survival and land survival. So I went to uh, Miami, I believe it was, and, and boy, that was a lot of fun. I mean, that was just water survival training was fun. The land survival training, however, in Washington was exactly the opposite. There were a few days of classroom time. It, it prepared our minds for a focus of what was ahead because the school had to do with what are you going to do when you get shot down, when you have to get on the ground and actually survive, when you have to evade an enemy or escape from a POW camp, what are you going to do? And it just so happened that the tail gunner was a person in charge on the ground because we had extra training in escape and evasion. So these couple of days of class prepared our minds, gave us a focus. And then we stepped forward to going out into the land where we learned to starve to death. Actually, we learned what to eat and what not to eat how to make a hook and a line from our parachute and, you know, get a stick and, and fish. Six people. We had a choice. We could either eat the grub worms or put the grub worms on the end of a homemade hook and catch fish. We decided to fish. Caught, caught two fish. Two fish for six people. That was an enjoyable day. We had a lot to eat. But then the next step... Our instructor told us, get your maps out. We knew where we were on our maps already, but he pointed out a point on the map and he said, you need to get to that point by sunset, all six of us, and, and you need to do it understanding that the Viet Cong or the North Vietnamese were going to be out there searching for you, and if they found you, of course, they would take you and put you in this POW camp. That's not a place where you want to go. So what we did as six people, we broke into twos, pairs. We felt like we had a better shot at pairs. We could help each other, but at the same time, we weren't a big group that they could look for. And so this next step then 
was to get to that point, and we did. We got there. The other two groups did not get there. Uh, we actually saw them being picked up and, and hoodwinked and taken off to the PLW camp. When we got to the point, though, that we were supposed to get at, we realized it's a trap. We saw the mountain walls closing in, coming to a point, like a funnel that you set on the side. And we realized very quickly, we're going to get caught. It didn't matter what we did from this point on. We had the Viet Cong coming up behind us. We had people in the field in front of us. And it was just a matter of time. So we hid as best we could and kind of inched up as best we could before we captured in the end of our freedom to that next point. This scripture passage is like that, but in a happy way, okay? Uh, not anything drastic like that. But the Apostle Paul lays this out in points, again, to help us to get to the end, to see the richness of what he has before us. And so I just want to begin to lead us down this path to pick up the lessons that the Apostle Paul has for us. I want us to first look at the joy of our blessed hope in the glory of God. Look at these first four verses with me. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the thing that you are, that are above, excuse me, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For if you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ, who is in your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory." It's a beautiful set of verses right here to help us to get a focus because one of the first things that the Apostle Paul is saying to us, we're an audience of Christians. Did you pick up on that? You who have been raised with Christ. He's talking to Christians. This is his audience. And he's telling us a couple of things that are very important before we go on to that next part of the path, that next step. He says, first of all, we are to seek the things that are above, to set our minds on the things that are above. Our focus is to be in heaven, but our feet are on the ground. And, and sometimes that's hard for us to understand because we, we live in a day today that is just go, go, go. I thought when I was a teenager, and my, my dad told me, you just go, go, go. I thought, well... I didn't know anything else, you know. I wanted to go play golf. I wanted to go fishing. I wanted to go bowling. I wanted to go. To, and he said, you just go, go, go all the time. No. It is nothing like the world we're living in today. Because our minds a lot of times are focused on work, focused on family. We get home from work. We got the family. We got children to do homework, to feed, to get to bed, to get, you know, baths and everything. You and your spouse get to sit down maybe for just a little bit before it's bedtime and start all over again, right? And so sometimes it's hard for us to keep our minds set on the things that are above because we have so much to do here on the ground. But we cannot forget what God has for us above. He has heavenly work for us to do while we're here on earth. 
As Christians, we need to understand that. We still need to take time to witness. We still need to take time to pray, to help someone else to grow in their faith. We need to take time with things that are heavenly while we are here on earth. Yes, our destination is heaven, and our focus should be there because that's going to be our eternal home. But we just need to realize sometimes that's a struggle. Paul's saying to us, keep your focus there. But he's also saying to us in these opening verses that we died to sin and self. And because of that, we are hidden with Christ in God. Now, this is a great passage of Scripture. In fact, it goes hand in hand with what we see in Ephesians, uh, the first chapter, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses or our sins. If you drop down to verses 13 and 14, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're hidden in Christ, sealed, ready to go to heaven. Isn't that just a great picture? And because of God's saving grace, we are in Christ. And because of the Holy Spirit who dwells within, he seals us until that time when he breaks open our seal in heaven to give us our inheritance. Praise God. Because of his saving grace to Christians. Through God's saving grace as Christians, when Christ who is in your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory, clearly a reference to the second coming and to that time when we will be in heaven in the kingdom of God forever. Right now, that is the joy of our blessed hope because one day that is coming. We move on to the next step, understanding the spiritual changes of our life. We need to get rid of some things that are unholy. Read with me verses 5 through 11. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Listen to this list. Anger wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. See that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Even though we live on earth, even though as Christians we strive to become more Christ-like, we still live on the sinful side of heaven. I'm sorry. 
Satan is still alive. He's going to dress up things. It's going to look good. We're going to have that sin in our life. And unfortunately, it just, it's happening because we're on the sinful side of heaven. We are not yet perfect. And yet we are perfect in God's eyes because of his saving grace in our lives. And because he has sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within, to guide us, to lead us, to convict us when those times come, to encourage us when we repent of those sins. I, I love this verse because the Apostle John is talking to Christians as well in 1 John 1, 9. He is, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's another beautiful word that we have from God. He loves us so much that he not only wants to save us with his saving grace, but he wants to forgive us for those other sins that we fall into, those traps where Satan just opens something up and, and trap us in those areas. God wants to forgive us. Why? Because he loves you and me. And he wants us to shed these things that are unholy. When we look at this passage of scripture along with Galatians 5, we see that there are desires of the flesh. And he's telling us these desires of the flesh work against the spirit, the Holy Spirit and our spirit. The flesh is working against that, these unholy things. And we look at these lists. And he says to us, such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because they are unholy. Now remember, Paul's writing to Christians. And so think back to that eternal change that God made in your life one day. That change when, when God saved you. I think back to that time I was, I think, 10 days short of being 10 years old. And it was just a marvelous time. I knew I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that day I was saved by God's grace. And there were some things about my life even then that I needed to change. There was a man who entered into the church. It was the Bible Baptist Church of Elkton, Maryland. He, he was looking for a place to sit. He hadn't been to this church. In fact, he probably hadn't been in very many churches at all. But he's looking to the left and to the right and to the left and to the right. No place for him to sit until he gets to the second row right here. And so he sits down on the second row. And the preacher got up and preached a wonderful message. And he sat and he listened to everything that he said with the keenest of interest. And then the preacher got to the end and he said, Is there anyone here who needs to be saved, who needs to have Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their life, and you'd like for someone to pray with you? Would you just raise your hand? And he shot his hand up. And he started waving it at the preacher to make sure he saw him, you know. And so the preacher went ahead and gave the invitation. He said, anyone who'd like to give their Christ life, have someone come pray for them. Now, by now, the preacher's standing down here. He said, just come forward. 
Now, he bounded out of that seat and was in the preacher's face really before the preacher got all those words out. I actually had this happen to me in the second church that I pastored. He was actually sitting third row and bounced over the second row into the aisle and was right in my face. And I'm like, you know, trying to give the rest of the invitation, but we did pray. And like that man in Elkton, Maryland, he gave his life to Christ. He prayed with the pastor. He turned his life completely over. And when they finished that prayer, there was, there was a sense of triumph in his life. When they went for baptism, the preacher got him in the water and, uh, and, and he dipped him down in the water and raised him up for a new life in Christ. And when he came up, he came up clapping, going, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. Most Christians understand that we just cannot remain in that old lifestyle. That we've got to get rid of things that are unholy. Unfortunately, we have people today, and this is a hard part of our witnessing, who feel like they have to change something before God can save them. They got it completely backwards. God needs to save them, and then they'll be convicted of things that they need to change. This sinful lifestyle will become decreasing while the spiritual lifestyle becomes increasing. We must put away or put off those sinful things. Take the next step. We need also to put on things that are holy. Look beginning in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Just as Paul reminded the Christians there are unholy things to cast off, he's saying here there are things to put on that the Spirit also works against the flesh. And that's important for us to recognize. The Spirit works against the flesh. When we begin putting these things on, the flesh diminishes, if you would. Tying back to what Paul wrote in Galatians, the fifth chapter, we're reminded of another list like this in Colossians 3. We call that the fruit of the Spirit, that the Christians, those who belong to Jesus Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. 
we're not just to turn away from the sinful things. We are to turn to the things that are holy. There's a beautiful word in the Hebrew language. It's called or pronounced shuv. It's transliterated S-H-U-V. And it comes with this understanding that we, we turn away from the things that are unholy, but that's not just all of what repentance is. That we need also to turn to the things that are holy. It's an about face from going in a direction that is against God and against his will to be able to go toward God and what his will is for us in our life. We find the same kind of idea written in Matthew 12, 43 through 45 to just say it's not enough just to turn away from. It's not enough just to clean the house out. We need to fill that house then with those things that are holy, those things that are wholesome, those things that will glorify God. And when we look at this list, if you would, of things that we can put on, they're, they're very succinct. We understand each of these words because they're all a little different. And yet when put together, they are so powerful. It's like taking three twines and making a rope. Individually, those twines are weak. But when you make a rope, weave a rope, that rope is pretty strong. When you put these things together in your life, you are becoming a stronger Christian. He says that we need to equip ourselves with things where we forgive each other. Put on love. Let the peace of Christ rule. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Sing. Sing songs with thanks, thankfulness in your hearts. Can you see the coming of this point is to walk with our Lord God in everything that we do. We can't help but give praise to God when we put these things on and glorify him with them. We're told in the psalm that this is a day that the Lord created. Rejoice in it. We can't help but rejoice when we recognize every day is unique in itself. A different picture painted in the sky. Things are going on differently than the other days. It might be similar to this day, but it's different. A brand new day that the Lord has created. Rejoice in it. Paul is saying here, we can rejoice, we can praise God, we can glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords when this harmony comes into our lives by putting these things on. Everything works together for his glory. And he must have had corporate worship in mind when he wrote this. Did you catch that? When we sing songs, when we are singing together, Thank you for the music this morning, by the way. I enjoy praising God in song. And he says to us, have uplifting songs. Be thankful in our hearts when we're singing these songs. Have forgiveness, peace, love, and bring glory to the Lord God Almighty. Praise God. And we finally come to the main point. 
We take that last step in the path. We've been funneled in to realize what's going on, what's most important in Paul's mind as he writes this. He says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do everything in the name of Jesus. When I was a director of missions in South Carolina, we had a mission work called Churches Changing Communities. We focused on people in their home dwellings who either could not do something themselves with their home or or couldn't afford to have it done. We would get together and do anywhere from 25 to 30 or 33 projects every one week. Uh, Every work day was Monday through Friday. Uh, We had worship in the evening as well. But when we would go out, we would replace roofs of homes. We would gut a kitchen because of water leaks and fix the water leaks and then put all new stuff back in, build it back up. We would, we would find the water leaks in bathrooms, gutting out the bathrooms to the joist, even, even replacing joists along the way, and then building back up a brand new bathroom. One year, we completely took a trailer out. It was so bad, had plywood in places where holes were so you wouldn't fall through. There was no running water in the house. There was a hose pipe from the outside to the kitchen sink, which leaked into a bucket. There was no way to flush the commode unless you took water from the bucket and flushed the commode. There was no hot water, no hot water to bathe in. The, the heater, I believe, didn't work, and I know the air conditioner did not work. Cabinet doors were gone or missing. We decided this is way too much for us to fix. We made a few calls and found out somebody had a trailer that they used for construction that they weren't going to use and said it's in great shape. And we found somebody who moved trailers who said, I'll move the trailer just for a nominal fee, pay for my gas and my time. I'm talking a very, very nominal fee. And he moved that other trailer out where the lady wanted, and she stayed in Columbia while we were doing all this work. And he moved that other trailer right in, right up next to and, and perfectly up against a small 10 by 10 deck and stairs that had been built a couple years before. And for the rest of the week, people in our association were bringing in curtains that they had made for the windows. They brought in pots and pans. They brought in dishes. They brought in silverware. Somebody brought in new washer and dryer and hooked those up. Somebody else furnished the bedroom. I mean, it was just all week long things like this were going on. And I noticed through the day we had a time when we had asked her to come back on Friday that we wanted to surprise her with with what God had led us to do. And I noticed the teams were finishing their other projects and they were coming here. And before I knew it, everybody on the team that week was there. And when she showed up and we had prayer with her and gave her the keys to her new home, there was not a dry eye there because we were doing everything 
in the name of the Lord and giving him the praise. Do you know those 25, 30 projects we would do would cost tens of thousands of dollars? We did not have the money to do those things. But God provided the resources. I have no idea where all that money came in. But every year, God provided. Every year we went out and did things in the name of the Lord and gave him the praise. We saw God save lives as we would witness to these people. We saw... Uh, lives that were changed and commitments to get back in church. We invited them to come to our Friday night worship time, which a lot of it was testimonies. And not only did our group have testimonies, but the people where we went to help, they had testimonies. Not a dry eye in that place. Because of the blessings that God gave us for doing things in his name. I, I cannot... I cannot emphasize this enough when we are doing things in the name of God for his glory he brings us along and invites us to be a part of his victories and there cannot be a dry eye when we realize all that God has done simply because we did things in his name when I came back here when we moved back here to Abilene which is home uh, one of the things that I helped our association to do was to begin a prison ministry. Uh, one of the things I realized is that our state had decided, uh, because of what they saw going on in Louisiana, that we too would send uh, field ministers. These are inmates with either life sentences or very long sentences. Like I can't remember if it was 25 or more or 30 or more years. But they... They were trained by seminary professors and received their degree. And so the state is sending four by four off to all the prisons. We received four field ministers at Robinson. Their job, well, of course, they're inmates, and so there's a lot of restrictions, but their job was to preach and to teach and to help people to grow in the Lord, and they did that. Our prison ministry was to pray for them and go and meet with them and encourage them. And we had financial support for the books and things that they needed to study. And then one day I heard one of our field ministers might be released in a few years into our area. And I thought, oh Lord, I cannot fathom the amount of good stuff that can happen because of that the impact that that person would have on somebody who might be looking at a, a bad road and the life that can be changed because of this person's witness. I cannot tell you the amount of blessing we receive when we do the things in the Lord's name and we praise him with a thankful heart. One of the ministries that I have right now, thank you, Jeff, for just introducing that. I, I try to help churches who become pastorless. We prayed this morning for Elmdale Baptist Church, and uh, I was preaching there until last week. Today is his first time as an interim pastor, and all I'm doing is trying to give some stability, uh, train a pastor search team, help them look for an interim. And then when my time is through, when an interim comes on board that the team is trained, I can just be the consultant for that search team until they find their permanent pastor. So I don't leave them alone, uh, but I don't bug them either. <laughs> 
but they have a resource if they need help or need to adjust something in some way. You know, we just talk about that. And we go with whatever the Holy Spirit leads you. But it's so important, and I hope I emphasize this enough with them, that as a search team, they need to wash things in prayer. They need to seek the Lord. And as a church, I want you to know they want you to be praying for them. Because there's something very important about to happen. God already knows who he is appointing to be your next pastor. I want you to know that because it takes a lot of pressure off of you as a church. God knows it. And as a search team and then as a church, God reveals his will. And there's a week, one week before or one week after or this week, that during the search process, I know that that team comes together in harmony. It just happens every time I've seen it happen. And when that happens with the search team, the church becomes excited as well. And one day will come when they will present who they believe God has revealed to be the next pastor. Can I tell you how important it is to put on love that binds everything? To have forgiveness of the heart that this former passage right here let us know in verses 12 through 16. To be able to do all these things that gets us to the point where we truly can focus on God and know his will. I want to close by simply saying we have all been where this hot dog man was. We've all had his vocabulary. We all had a lifestyle that we thought was best for ourselves. When the pastor quieted the congregation after they broke out in laughter by him coming up and going, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. He let them know that he didn't know any of our words like amen or praise the Lord or hallelujah. His word for praising God was hot dog. It's important for us to see that everything that we do needs to be in the name of Jesus and thank God having that thankful heart. One day we realized also that there is no way for us to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. I think that was when I realized it, when I was almost 10. We were studying about Saul who became Paul. And I realized that I needed to make a commitment to God. Now, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if I walked down the aisle, if I'd be blinded. But I knew I needed Christ in my life. And I think it was on like the 14th verse of Victory in Jesus or something, you know. I finally let go of that pew back there and began walking down the aisle. When I began walking down the aisle, I'm thinking, well, it's too late. Everybody sees me. 
But I prayed with the pastor, and, and I've got to tell you, it wasn't too long before I realized I'm one of these people on this narrow road to heaven, walking hand in hand with Christ. He's helping me to cast off things that are unholy and to bring things into my life that are holy, things that glorify him. I've got to say to you, one day, one day is coming, maybe sooner for some of us than others, when that road is going to end. Where we will give up our last breath here on earth. But praise God. He has sealed us and will usher us into his kingdom for all of eternity. I think that's our next breath in life. All death and tears and crying. Gone. I think one of the things we're going to be able to remember is how we glorify God with a thankful heart. How are you doing in your mission work, in your ministry, as you're going through this transition as a church? How are you doing? I hope, I know because I've seen many churches, sometimes this is a little rocky right in this time frame. But when we can come together, with this kind of heart, we will recognize God's goodness. Can I say, South Point, you will not just survive. You will thrive. Praise God. Our Heavenly Father, as we have taken a look at this passage of Scripture, we cannot thank you enough. Not only knowing what you have done in our lives, but to know also what you're going to do, and what you're going to do in this church. And, and we know it is so magnificent. We can't even wrap our minds around that right now. But thank you for giving us scripture passages like this to help us to understand we've got to get rid of some things in our life. We've got to bring on some things in our life, and we need to keep our focus on you. Because only through these things will we be able to have that grateful and that thankful heart and glorify you in all you do. Lord, thank you for not forgetting about your people here. But instead you have a perfect plan for your people here. May we give you praise. May you be glorified and only you be honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have time of invitation. Music's going to be playing. I'll be in front here. I think there are going to be some other people here. If you need us to pray with you about something, you come. And God bless you.